welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. I want to read the lyrics of a song called A Boy Named Sue. The chuckles come from people who've heard this song. I'm going to leave out the middle part because there's kind of a violent fight in the middle. (laughs) I just don't need to read that part uh, for what I want to communicate from it. But A Boy Named Sue, written by Johnny Cash, and here it goes. Well, my daddy left home when I was three, and he didn't leave very much to my ma and me except this old guitar and an empty bottle of booze. Now, I don't blame him because he run and hid, but the meanest thing my daddy ever did was before he left, he wanted to name me Sue. He must have thought that was quite a joke, and it got a lot of laughs from lots of folks. Seems I had to fight my whole life through. Some gal would giggle, and I'd turn red. Some guy'd laugh, and I'd bust his head. And I tell you, life ain't easy for a boy named Sue. Well, I grew up quick, and I grew up mean. My fists got hard, and my wits got keen. Roamed from town to town to hide my shame. But I made me a vow to the moon and stars. I'd search the honky-tonks and bars and kill that man that gave me that awful name. And then he finds his father. They brawl in the mud and the blood. And at the end of the battle, when they're both pointing guns at each other, it continues. He stood there looking at me, and I saw him smile. He said, son, this world is rough, and if a man's going to make it, he's got to be tough, and I know I wouldn't be there to help you along. So I gave you that name, and I said goodbye. I knew you'd have to get tough or die. And it's that name that helped you make, to make you strong. He said, now you just fought one heck of a fight and I know you hate me and you got the right to kill me now and I wouldn't blame you if you do. But you ought to thank me before I die for the gravel in your gut and the spit in your eye because I'm the beep, beep, beep that named you Sue. Yeah, what could I do? I got all choked up and threw down my gun, called him Paul and he called me son and I came away with a different point of view. And I think about him now and then every time I try and every time I win. And if I ever have a boy, I'll name him Bill or George or Frank or something, anything other than Sue. Names are funny, aren't they? They can be. Maybe not to Sue, they aren't funny, but names are a funny thing. Uh, Most of us are given our names. We didn't choose our names any more than Sue chose his. But we can't imagine ourselves being anyone else, can we? Can you imagine yourself as being called any other name? Or for that fact, when you look around at other people, can you imagine them by anything else other than the name that was given to them? Um, Some people change their names, but most of us keep them and claim them. Some just alter their name. So I've gone by Joe a lot of my life, and now I go a little more by Joseph, especially if it's a formal situation. My dad agreed with my mom's request to name me Joseph under one condition that no one ever call me Joey. And so that was my dad's choice. I never knew why he didn't like that name, but I still feel the need to honor that. So if someone calls me Joey, I say, you can't call me that. Funny, I claim his preference. Um, We feel the need to honor our name that we were given. Maybe your surname, maybe your first name. But you kind of feel that need, right? It's given to us and says somehow we claim it and it becomes ours in a whole new way. We honor the giver when we use it. There's a man in Genesis who has a name. His name is Jacob. Have you heard the name Jacob? 
you know what the name means in Hebrew? It means heel grabber. It's another way, an older way to say deceiver or swindler. You were these people, you were a heel grabber. We could debate whether he was given the name at his birth or later, like most were given names later, but, but there's a funny story in Scripture about the birth of Jacob. He was a twin brother, and he wasn't born first. The firstborn son is given more honor. And so Isaac, their father, would have given all the honor to Esau, but the story goes, as Esau was being born, Jacob had a hand on his heel trying to pull him back in, trying to steal the birthright. So he got this name, Heel Grabber. Uh, it seems that Jacob was a swindler so much in life that they said even from the get-go, he was trying to take advantage. The key story of his early life in Scripture comes to us when he approaches Isaac, who's dying, and it's time for Isaac to give the blessing to the firstborn, for the firstborn to take over the family name. So it won't be the house of Isaac anymore. It'll be the house of what should be Esau, except what Jacob does is he dresses up. He disguises himself to look like Esau. He disguises his voice to sound like Esau, and he goes to Isaac to receive the blessing in his brother's place. Um, and so he goes there, and Esau asks Jacob in this conversation. He's kind of not sure who's talking to him, although it feels like Esau. He says, what's your name? Who are you? And Jacob says, I'm Esau, your oldest son. He lied to his father. He denied his true name, and he worked this deception of a name to the person who gave the name. So he, he gets the blessing. This wouldn't hold up in a court of law today, right, if you trick somebody. But it does then. As the story goes, he flees. He leaves because Esau's going to kill him. And he goes to another land completely out of their homeland. He ends up meeting another swindler he didn't know at the time named Laban. Makes a deal with Laban. Laban tricks him into marrying a daughter that he wasn't intending to marry. And he says, well, if you work another seven years, I'll let you marry the daughter you really want to marry. And, and he does. So 14 some odd years later, he's got two wives and he's starting to grow his family and things that he wants to leave. Now, typically you can't, but he wants to. So he swindles Laban back and ends up getting his family out of there. And they're going to head back because he wants to reunite with Esau. Okay. So that kind of catches you up in the story uh, is when he sets off for home what he does is he sends all of his stuff across the river at the border. He sends it all to Esau first. Not sure if he's thinking, well, if wrath comes, it'll be on them. Or if he's just certain that there will be no wrath on them and maybe it'll soften his brother's heart. But we come to Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 through 32. And it reads, Jacob got up during the night, took his two wives, his two women servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the Jabbok River's shallow water. He took them and everything that belonged to him, and he helped them across the river. But Jacob stayed apart by himself, and a man wrestled with him until dawn broke. When the man saw that he could not defeat Jacob, he grabbed Jacob's thigh and tore a muscle in Jacob's thigh as he wrestled with him. The man said, let me go because the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I won't let you go until you bless me. He said to Jacob, what's your name? And he said, Jacob. And then he said, your name won't be Jacob any longer, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with men and won. Jacob also asked and said, tell me your name. But he said, 
Why do you ask for my name? And he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named that place Peniel because I've seen God face to face and my life has been saved. The sun rose as Jacob passed Penuel limping because of his thigh. Therefore, Israelites don't eat the tendon attached to the thigh muscle to this day because he grabbed Jacob's thigh muscle at the tendon. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Yeah, it's kind of a strange story in parts, right? I mean, all of it's kind of strange when you think about it, but Jacob had sent all this stuff and he's alone. He was trying to appease Esau's wrath with stuff. You see how Jacob was still kind of mixed up? Is that how you appease someone's wrath? If you just give gifts? Maybe, if it's the wrong kind of relationship. But after he's sent everything, he's alone, and then this wrestling man shows up and wrestles him all night. Because that's what he was expecting to have happen. Where'd this guy come from? We don't really know. It just says a guy showed up and they wrestle. And in the wrestling, he has him pinned down. Jacob's winning. And the guy says, what's your name? It's the second time in the book, only the second time that Jacob has been asked, what's your name? This time, he replies with truth. And he says, I'm the heel grabber. I'm Jacob. Jacob's ready to admit his name. There's a shift here. There's wrestling. Finally, is it ready to claim who he is? He's not trying to swindle this individual he's wrestling with. He's going to be honest. And it's this time then, things change. And what was a man becomes God in the story. And God gives him another name. He says, you're not the heel grabber anymore. No longer are you the deceiver or the swindler. Now you are Israel. And Israel means God struggles or struggles with God. That's how we can say it. He said, because you struggled with God and with men and won. He's a good struggler. Jacob is a successful struggler. He really has been his whole life. It's just struggling in the early part of his life came through deception. And now there's a different kind of struggle with honesty, with himself. He, uh, he's been struggling with reuniting with his brother. Even the next day when he sees his brother coming and there are 400 men with his brother, he's thinking, well, this is my execution. I'm getting what's coming. Jacob still stayed. He didn't run. In fact, he knelt down and his brother came up pushing through the camels and the goats and his wives and the daughters and the men and just embraces his brother. That's all Esau wanted do. So Jacob's still in the struggling with relationship. Something's changed with Jacob, and it continues to change. And it's interesting because as the story goes on, sometimes he'll be referred to as Israel and sometimes Jacob, and oftentimes he'll say both, Jacob and Israel. He tried to buy favor. He's changed, and then there's this beautiful reunion. All that to say this story back by the river at this wrestling, it's as if God was waiting for Jacob. Before Jacob had left the land, he had a dream. You probably heard of Jacob's ladder where he saw a staircase and angelic beings going up and down. And he knew God was with him in that place. And then he left that place. And then he came back to that place and God wrestles him and says, who are you? So was God just waiting there? Was God waiting as Jacob was off living the life of a successful swindler, waiting for Jacob to return? Jacob was asked, who are you? I wonder if God thought Jacob might try to lie. I would think God would know, right? So maybe it was that Jacob needed to be asked the question and provided the opportunity to voice the answer. More than God needed to hear it, Jacob needed to hear him, him claim his own name. 
who he was. He's been struggling, struggling to get there by the river, struggling to get all of his belongings across the river. And now he's struggling with this idea of relationship with this brother. And then he struggles with God and he's given a new name, struggler with God. What a name, right? You ever seen Dances with Wolves? You ever seen that movie? This is like one of those names, right? It's a a name with meaning about who you are and what you're about. And it becomes the name of the entire nation. The 12 tribes are Jacob's sons, Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, which we still know of today. We are Israel, are we not? Through Jesus Christ, we are a descendant of Israel. Do you claim this name? Do you claim the name Israel? Yeah? No? Maybe? You should. You can. It's not, it's not a quiz. Um, we are Israel too. We can say the word Israel and claim that name. Everybody say Israel. Can you say what the name means? Struggles with God. We're all invited into the struggle. Many of us will accept that invitation and many of us will not because it's hard. And sometimes it leaves you walking away with a limp. You don't walk the same when you've struggled with God. We can come to church each week. That's pretty easy to do most most weeks. We can receive communion and baptism. We can pray and sing songs, and we can even read the Bible and resist the invitation to struggle every step of the way. Do you struggle with God? Let me ask you the same question this way. Can you think of anything that God doesn't agree with you on? Think of a topic or a truth. Is there anything that you can say, no, I don't agree with God on that? Or does God always agree with you? Isn't that funny? Kind of interesting, isn't it? We all disagree with each other, yet somehow God agrees with us all. I wonder if we're just like Jacob, bending God's will to serve our needs. A heel-grabbing method that we all participate in from time to time. Amen? Amen. This faith is fascinating because it's not about simply saying the right things, following the right rules, saying the right prayer, being at the correct place at the correct time. It's not even about reading scripture. Those things are all great, but they're there to serve the bigger point of this faith. We are here to become something new. And change and growth, the development of new, cannot happen without struggle, right? We could look at plants, we can look at animals, we can look at anything else and see that it always comes in a struggle. Even some animals have to leave their shell, leave their place, and be completely vulnerable to find a new home to get in to grow more. And then there's that moment, that's hard. A plant has to break through the soil and and unbecome what it is to become something new. Think of a butterfly, it becomes goo in a cocoon to become something new. Do you think that's that's a gross process? It's part of the whole point. Some would say we do all this to become truly who we were meant to be, who we were created to be. But however we say it, we can agree that God is leading us somewhere. If you feel like you've arrived and you're there and there's no place to go, you've, you've, you've not accepted the invitation to struggle and keep going. And it's for us all, everybody here. It doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been going to church, how much you think or you do or don't know the Bible, it doesn't matter. I mean, think about the most significant moments in your life of faith. 
whatever it is, did it come when things were easy? Did it come when you were part of the right group and said the right thing? Or did it come when it seemed there was no hope? It came in the most unexpected, earth-shattering, mind-blowing way when you were vulnerable, when you didn't feel safe or right. I can attest personally, I'm not perfect. But struggling with God leaves you different. And it leaves you different every step of the way, every day. You'll walk away with a divine limp. And although we might want to hang our heads about that, we should take pride in the growth and the struggle. We will not remain the same in this faith. And let's be honest, do we even want to remain the same? Are you, are you happy with where things are in your life right now in every aspect? You may have joy, but are you still fully satisfied or do you want to take part in what God has to offer? Maybe you just need to give yourself the opportunity to be alone by the river. Maybe you need to send all your stuff to the other side. Just be devoid of, of stuff and distractions and worries and stress. Maybe you just need to let go of the need to feel right. It's amazing what that will do. Uh, not that I'm an expert. Maybe we just need to stop defending our stance and instead let our guard down. Maybe we just need to be completely vulnerable and depend upon God alone. The good news is God is always waiting for you to struggle with God. God's waiting. If you need to venture out and get your head straight, you know, do that. Like a good father, God is there to welcome you home. Are we ready to enter into the struggle? Are you ready for God to say, who are you, really? And are you ready to answer? God will continue your story, too, when you're ready to be you. Amen? Amen. thank you for joining us today and it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together if you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries visit our website at sellersburgumc.com 